We'll try that again. <laughs> Welcome, Welcome to actually. <laughs> Banner start here. <laughs> Just... Good lord. Well, this is a podcast in case you uh, don't know where the sound is coming from in your ears right now. Just a home run every step of the way. <laughs> oh, and it's about movies? And um, my name's... We dated. My name's Ryan Whedon. We don't date anymore, though. We don't. That's why it's X-E-X, as in the past. <laughs> dated once. Not anymore. Uh, what was your name again? <laughs> uh, Magnum. <laughs> Magnum Broadwater. Oh. Private investigator. <laughs> why, Magnum Broadwater. <laughs> what brings you to this state, this fine summer evening? <laughs> Did you ever see the... Uh crossover episode of Magnum P.I. and Murder, She Wrote. No. Is that a real thing? Yeah, I never saw it because I haven't seen a single episode of either show, but, uh, wow. yeah, there was a cross. Well, because I thought there should be a crossover between Murder, She Wrote and Columbo, because that seems logical. Yeah. But yeah, no, I guess it was Murder, She Wrote and Magnum P.I. Was, uh, Angela Lansbury, like, hanging from a helicopter at one point? <laughs> <laughs> She was Big Daddy. Oh, <laughs> that was the twist. Ah, the chair turns around, and <laughs> yeah, it, tur- it turns out she's actually been murdering all those people in Maine. Yeah, I mean, clearly, <laughs> you almost want to. I almost think that the sheriff was in on that too. He yeah. like pretended, but little gosh, I don't know how these murders are happening. What's the town in Murder Show? Do you know Cabot Cove? Cabot Maine. Cove. Yeah, ain't got nothing on Chicago. No. <laughs> I think I saw a graph that was actually like the per capita uh, murder rate in Cabot Cove is like five times that of Chicago or something like that. Maybe it's that town where uh, it, Stephen King's It takes place. Oh, probably. It's supposed to have a high murder rate too. Yeah. Children in that one. Yeah. Yeah. It's small town Maine like every Stephen King story. <laughs> hey, I guess we could talk about that. Small Town Maine or Stephen King stories? The new It trailer. Did you watch it yet? Oh, yeah. It's a trailer. <laughs> yeah, I don't have anything to say. I was hoping you did, actually. Uh, the subject matter seems right up uh, Guillermo's alley. Uh, he definitely likes horror inflicted upon children. That's true. That's uh, true. So it seems to be something well within his wheelhouse. And as a f- fan, not a fan of the original... I can't see him doing any harm to it. Yeah. You don't like the TV movie? A, it's too long. It is hard. I love Tim Curry. I thought he, he made a great great Pennywise. Yeah. But I mean, it has that like made-for-TV quality to it. Yeah. Uh, and it's three hours. Yeah. They used to... I watched a bunch of those um, when they were actually airing. I remember mm. like the Tommyknockers was like a oh, four-night event so or something. so bad, too. Yeah, and it's such a bummer when you get to the end. You're like, why did I spend four <laughs> nights of my life and endless hours of commercials watching this? Oh, that <laughs> one was so bad. Yeah, the, I, I've i seen most of the Stephen King stuff. Like, a couple of the big made-for-TV ones I never saw. Yeah. Like, Langoliers I never got around to. That one was okay, as okay. I remember. That was like another like four hour miniseries that I'm like, I can't, yeah. I can't do this. Yeah. Especially if like you already know the story. Did you read the short story? No, it's a short story that they turned into a four hour movie. Yeah, yeah. 
I don't know, something like people fall asleep on a plane and when they wake up, like, there's only this, like, six or seven of them on it. Yeah, and they're in, like, a, dim- the, they're in, like, the time dimension that gets left behind and the thing that, the things that come and eat up the time dimension, or the past, are these, like, Langolier things. So, I, I mean, I know what the words you said are, <laughs> like, I know their definitions, <laughs> but what you said was just a mess. <laughs> Yeah, somehow it makes sense when you're watching it. Okay. Man, how, I don't know how to, how to ex- describe them. They sort of look like raisins with razor teeth mm. and, like, three jaws. So, like... Like Tremors style? Yeah, but, like, okay. they fly. Like Tremors 2 style? No, because these don't even have wings. Oh. Oh. Yeah. So they, like, glide or float? Yeah, or... they just kind of float around. I don't know if I buy that. <laughs> I mean, you had I mean, the rest of it seems yeah, plausible. Yeah, you had the, the, the time past eating future stuff, but <laughs> stuff without wings flying? I don't know if I can... Get with it, Stephen King. <laughs> Give your fantasy creatures wings. <laughs> so you only watch Stephen King movies if they're made specifically for television? Uh, I saw Pet Cemetery. Yeah, that one was better on rewatch, I feel. Yeah. I don't know. That was, that Dream one. Dreamcatcher? Oh my god. <laughs> Ever again. Yeah. I had a friend who was reading the book and she she was just trying to explain to me what it was about. And then when she got to like and then they shit really hard and then this one guy came in and his head exploded and I was like Okay. <laughs> I mean Stephen King wrote that when he was like in a hospital recovering from a car accident. Uh-huh. And openly acknowledges that, like, that book is, like, the product of too many painkillers and, like, a concussion. Yeah, it shows. He sold the rights to that movie for a dollar. <laughs> it's a bad movie. Like, he does not... He, he will not defend that one. <laughs> and they're aliens, by the way. Spoiler alert. <laughs> they're, like, shit-spore aliens. Yeah. <laughs> of all the ideas on his idea board, that's the one he pulled down. You watch anything outside the challenge this week? I did. Um, not really movie-related, though. Mm. Uh, I guess I watched one movie um, on your recommendation, now oh. that I think about it. Um, I watched Pulse. Oh, the, yeah. The J-Horror. Yeah. Uh, pretty good. Yeah, that's that, that's one of those movies that's, like, scary in the exact way that I find scary. Yeah, really great use of sound. Okay. I think is what makes that movie super successful in the scare department. Um, with, like, the whispering and just, like, oh, yeah. moments when he dropped drop everything except for, like, one sound okay. kind of thing, uh, which was really creepy. It went on for a little too long. Like, I, I think you could cut maybe a half hour from that. But overall, really, really good. How about yourself? Uh, I saw one that was pretty truly horrible uh, called Animal Room. That sounds cute. <laughs> it stars Neil Patrick Harris before How I Met Your Mother, but after How He... Doogie Howser, okay, and Matthew Lillard pre-scream, and it, it's it's so bad, and because it, it's like trying to be Clockwork Orange, like they're like even some like the punks in there like wearing a bowler hat at some point. Oh wow! But it's also trying to be like melodramatic after-school special on like the dangers of bullying. Oh no! And it just really comes across as like neither of those things, <laughs> uh, and it really feels like. It was written by, like, a bullied 12-year-old. Because it was all, like, 
if I kill myself, everyone's going to feel bad. But, like, that's actually, like, the reaction. Everyone's like, we treated, we didn't listen to him when we had the chance. Why did we let this go on? It was just, it was so bad. And what made it worse was I think I have a defective DVD. So I started watching it. And it gets to a point where, like, Neil Patrick Harris just has to escape into drug use. But it's, like, a noble thing because his life is so rough. Uh, And then, like, the DVD kind of skips. And it looks like it goes back to the beginning. I'm like, what's going on here? And, like, I checked, like, the the bar or whatever, like, how far along I am. Uh And it says I'm, like, 40 minutes in. I'm like, oh, no, this is, like, the actual runtime. Like, it says it's two hours and I'm 40 minutes in. I'm like, I've seen every... Like, nothing's new. (laughs) So I'm, like, kind of, like, interested because I'm waiting for something to, like, be different. Uh Uh, But then I look up on IMDb and the runtime's only 88 minutes. (laughs) So (laughs) the DVD just, like, put in the first act twice. (laughs) So it essentially added 40 minutes to an 80-minute movie. (laughs) Are you sure it wasn't like a uh, Ingmar Bergman persona situation? See, that's what I thought. <laughs> You're looking for I, differences? That, that is, like, I literally was like, maybe, like, the camera angle's, like, on the other side, and I'm like, I'm seeing something that I missed before. Uh-huh. No, it wasn't that. <laughs> it wasn't even that. I spent two hours and ten minutes watching an 88 movie. <laughs> <laughs> made-for-TV Stephen King movies, are there any other made-for-TV movies that you like? (laughs) Well. (laughs) Just so happens this movie that you chose for this week is made-for-TV. That's right, Ryan. (laughs) This week we watched Tears and Laughter, a.k.a. Starting Again, the Joan and Melissa Rivers story starring Joan and Melissa Rivers. So I gotta get it out of the way. This is gonna be one of those episodes that I cannot listen to because I will talk so much. Okay. <laughs> I love Joan Rivers. Uh-huh. She's like a real life Mildred Pierce. She lost everything and had to start over from scratch and picked herself up by her own bootstraps and went on to raise one of the worst children in history. Yeah. Like I'm as my my love for Joan Rivers is is I don't. I don't want to say it's like tarnished, but Melissa Rivers. There's like nothing solid. I mean, let's just be honest. We're gonna we're gonna rag on Melissa Rivers a lot on this <laughs> podcast today because, god damn, she is just a charisma sink, isn't she? I mean, just. And, and, and maybe I, it's because her mom is is so like charismatic. Yeah, but, and and part of it is like with Mildred Pierce, you know, part of. Like, I always like Mildred Pierce because I say it's, like, the good and the bad of the American dream. Uh-huh. It's, like, Mildred Pierce, like, lost everything. Like, that's the beginning of the movie. And then, you know, as it goes on, like, she gets all this stuff. Right. And she, you know, only wants the best for her kids. And she shields her kids from harm and danger and failure and stuff like that. But, like, what does that do? Like, it turns, you know, in Mildred yeah. Pierce, you get Vita out yeah. of it, and, like, yeah. she's the worst. <laughs> and I feel like that's kind of what happened with Melissa Rivers. Yeah, maybe a little bit. Like, Joan Rivers, like, provided almost too well. Like, she never went hungry. She never 
really wanted for anything, and it kind of just kind of came out of brass. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's too bad. But I always I feel like Joan Rivers is always slightly underappreciated. I don't, she got a rep like a public reputation where her I think her professional reputation was always sound and solid, but her her public persona uh, got dragged through the mud a lot. Yeah. Uh, which is when when she passed a couple of years ago, I was actually surprised by the variety of people who like came out and like supported her mm-hmm. or said nice things. Like it, it wasn't too long after when Robin Williams died. When Robin Williams died, like of course, like you know that people were gonna say wonderful things about Robin. Right, Williams. right, right, like, right. His humanity was like always at the front. Uh, you know, it, it, it you could tell that he's one of those people that if you knew him personally, it would be hard not to love him. Right. Uh, so when Joan Rivers passed, I didn't think you'd see that same sort of reaction. Uh, but in a lot of ways, you did. Like, you know, Sarah Silverman, Kathy Griffin, you, you expect, sure. you know, nice things from them. Uh, but, you know, Samuel Jackson was out there saying nice things about her. Ozzy Osbourne was out there saying nice yeah. things. The Jonas Brothers were out there saying nice <laughs> things. Uh, Barbara Walters wrote, like, a really long form, like, how Joan Rivers, like, she was, you know, funny in public, but in private, she was the picture of class. You know, she'd go over, and they'd drink and have wonderful meals and gossip all night. And that, yeah, that Joan Rivers was, like, a dear, dear friend of hers. Uh, you know, Howard Stern emceed her funeral. Uh, you know, and, you know, no judgment. Benjamin Netanyahu is a big fan. Uh, <laughs> hey, let's not get political. <laughs> said very nice things after her passing about her. Uh, yeah. So yeah, I, mean, I was just surprised, you know, when she passed the breadth of like fans that she had that were like, you know, willing to speak up and say nice things about her. Well, I'll be honest. I don't know if you remember this, but um, what actually started our movie passing back and forth was the day that you invited me to go see a piece of work. The documentary about Joan Rivers. And did you come? Yes. Oh. And then we hung out later, and I think that's when we went and did, like, the high school musical uh, oh. mystery date, and then I think that's all the same day. Oh, so, man. A solid day. I know. It was a lot of fun. But uh, we... It was out of the blue that you'd asked me to come see it, and I was like, okay, I don't know anything. I don't know much about Joan Rivers. I'll go see this documentary. Um, and it really opened my eyes to who she is and, like... Um, how kind of punk rock she is, mm-hmm. um, and and we can get into that more in this in this movie discussion too. Because I mean, there's a whole there's a whole thing of like people judging her, and yeah. her saying, "Well, fuck you, I need to do this anyway." Yeah, uh, which is great. Uh, but um, yeah, after seeing that documentary, um, I got a lot more respect for her, mm-hmm. and um, I think she's I think she's pretty great too. I don't think necessarily everything she creates is great. No, but I think her constant work ethic yeah. and like this is what I'm going to do and I'm going to be successful I because of it. I really admire her work ethic. Yeah. Uh, like, you know, when her husband passed, which is like the main, you know, focal point of the movie is like the aftermath of her husband committing suicide. Uh, you know, she was like fish out of water but she's like fish out of water that like made land her bitch. Like, yeah. she like got her act together and like got it together well. Yeah. She built a house, started a fire, <laughs> built one of those like Swiss Family Robinson style showers. Yeah, I mean she she got it going on. Monkey butlers, mm-hmm. coconut radios. 
Good job, Joan. <laughs> All while Melissa's like, Mom, look at me. I'm s- Mom, over here. <laughs> Even in the documentary piece of work, Melissa Rivers is sort of like that. No. And it's like, it's not that I don't, I'm open-minded about Melissa and I yeah. want to like her, but I find her a, a charisma dump. Like, she, <laughs> she just doesn't have it. She doesn't have what her mom has in that department. And uh, I find her kind of whiny all the time, you know? She's just like, she just reeks of being, like, raised in privilege, basically, you know? Yeah. And, uh, like, that, I guess you can't really help. But at the same time, it's like, maybe don't go in front of a camera and make (laughs) us watch you. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. I feel like there's, you know, jobs in show business that are not in front of the camera. Yeah, I think I was, I actually read her Wikipedia page after watching this, and she, she does a lot of producing which, Which is like, makes sense. That's a great role for you. Why don't, yeah. you, why don't you keep doing that? <laughs> it's like when people tell us we have faces made for radio. <laughs> Do they? <laughs> Who's saying know. that? <laughs> uh, well. So, the want... <laughs> premise of the movie. Yeah. This made-for-TV movie. Uh, but, it... well, before we get too far, what which, what is the title? Because... Well, it's both. And it's Tears and Laughter or it's Starting Again. I, well... According to this DVD, it's starting again. Yeah. But I've also seen... I think when it aired on Tears TV, and Laughter. Yeah, I think when it was aired on television, it was called Tears and Laughter. And, like, you can search for either, and either one yeah. brings brings the result. Sure it does. Is there a preferred title? I'm going to go with what's on the DVD. Okay. So starting again, maybe? Starting again, or AKA, Tears and Laughter, yeah. the Jonah Melissa River story. Starring Jonah Melissa Rivers. So her, her husband commits suicide, and the movie is sort of the aftermath and the falling out and the starting again, if you will, of uh, Joan and Melissa's relationship. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, the little speech that she gives at the end, which is actually kind of touching, where she's like, you know, grief has no guidebook. You right. Know, it, you know, you do it however you can do it. And for me, it's like, you know, Joan, her form of grief was to keep moving forward. Right. Which, you know, some people she might say... She kind of had to. It was out of necessity a little bit, too. Yeah. Uh, I mean, some people, like, the problem that Melissa had with, with Joan's form of grief is that it looked like she was just moving on and forgetting about Edgar. Right. Um, the father. But from Joan's point of view, it was like, she had no choice. Like, they needed a home, they needed to eat, yeah. someone had to be the breadwinner. She needed money. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, I mean, I can, I understand how that might be seen as, like, running away from your problems as opposed, as opposed to facing the grief. Yeah. But, I mean, I don't think that was accurate in the slightest. <laughs> like, no, yeah. I, I, yes, part of me, you know, I'll look at that and be like, oh, yeah, they're just, they're keeping busy because they don't want to be, you know, alone with their emotions or they don't want to, you know, have to deal with, you know, this tragedy in solitude. But I'm like, no, I kind of admire her. Like, you know, she dealt with it. I feel like she grieved an appropriate amount of time before, like, starting to work and, like, sure. starting to take her very, like, imminent problem seriously yeah it was like two months or something before she hit the road again i think is what they mentioned and it's like she needed money like yeah well and comedy is like famous for comedians going through shit yeah and then using comedy as a way to deal and move forward i mean like there's the the tignataro famous oh, live yeah. you know uh, thing where, you know, she gets diagnosed with cancer after having C. diff and her mom dies and just like, I can't do these stupid jokes anymore, I've got to talk about this. And joking about it, and it's like, you know, it's a stellar set. So it's like, 
maybe that's how she she's dealing because she is a comedian you know like that's her job has been for years and years and years uh so she's like this is how she's moving forward i mean it's like that's that's what comedy is great for though is like looking into the darkest places and laughing you know? yeah like, i mean richard Pryor did it with racism like throughout his career louis ck definitely got famous as his marriage was ending yeah uh so you know these people hit these like dark times in their life and they spin it in the gold yeah you know? that's what that's what makes a, a great comedian is if you're able to really take those dark times and make other people laugh at them yeah um at you oh, i guess at you while you're talking about them but um so that's why it seems so petty that like that melissa rivers is like how can you be doing this? yeah because it's like you know this is what your mom's job is right yeah and like there must be like some kind of cathartic healing properties to it that you you must know about that i mean they they do go to pains to point out that melissa's 19 years old in this did you notice that yeah they, they said say, they say that i feel like it could be a drinking game <laughs> next time you watch it every time they say melissa's 19 years old take a shot but um she should know that by now i mean she's lived with her mom for 19 years yeah and i mean joan rivers was never known as like the demure sort of prim and proper comedian it's not like when she went out that people were suddenly like oh this is a new face for joan it was like i mean it was like a new phase like a new chapter but it was still in line with like her style yeah but i mean with with joan i just i really admire her work ethic and i admire her stamina and you know she wasn't above being the butt of her own joke right you know she didn't take herself too seriously and those are just things like that I admire in like a human being in general. Yeah. So to to have someone who like made a career off those sort of uh, values, you know, just sort of really expands like my love for her. Well, um, it's it, it, she's uh, she's she's love she's the lovable one in this movie. It's oh, like definitely. it really it really suffers from like a a Julia and Julia situation where it's mm -hmm. like half of this movie is really good and interesting. Mm -hmm. And the other half is like an after school special about how drugs are bad, yeah. <laughs> you know? And it's like, it's difficult to reconcile because I really like whenever it cut to the Melissa story, I would like, I could catch myself sighing and being like, it, it became such a <sighs> lifetime on. original movie. Like, <laughs> Yeah, the, the Melissa Rivers end of it was such a Lifetime original movie. It's like, the boyfriend's bad and won't leave her alone. And like, you know, is, you know, doing drugs and hits her and blah, blah, blah. Which, not to like belittle, like, I'm sure all that was like true. Yeah. But like, she comes across as like, being like the weak one almost, like in this situation. Like, her grief is taking the form of like, having like no sense of self. <laughs> And just, you know, being uh, just litless to, to whatever life gives you. Like, yeah. She, yeah, she gets into a relationship with, like, the first person that she has anything in common with. And then she can't shake him for some reason. Yeah. It's weird that, like, she goes back to him, I think, yeah. two or three times yeah. after he hurts her. And it's like, I don't know. I'm not, I don't want to victim blame here. But it's like, there's that there's one point, I think it was the last one. The last time she she finally asked him like, "Can I trust you?" Oh yeah. And I I was shouting at the TV like, "No, <laughs> Melissa, no." <laughs> yeah, especially because he'd just been like a general dick. Yeah. Even when he wasn't a dick to her, he was a dick to other people. Yeah. Uh, and he couches it in like this. Oh, but 
that was when my dad committed suicide. <laughs> Don't fall for that shit, yeah. Melissa. Come on. Come on, girl. Um, but, I mean, I don't want to, yeah, I don't want to, like I said, I don't want to rag on her too much. Yeah. Um, it's just, it's hard when it's contrasted with Joan, who it's like, her husband commits suicide, and, yeah, it's, at one point in the movie, they say, like, Joan wants me to be, the, like, the widow on the hill. That, right. like, just goes into, like, solitude and, like, mourns for my lost husband for the rest of my life. Yeah. And, like, she, but, like, even at the wake, she's making jokes. Right. Uh, which which is what I was saying earlier. Like that's like that's how she heals and copes. You yeah. Know? Like you have if she's a comedian, that's how you do it. You know. Yeah. Did you ever see her spot on Louis the show when she guested on? Uh, did they sleep together or something like that? Yeah. yeah at the that's end. That's right. Yeah, yeah. I did see that. Uh, I always i I just like she she was talking about how how hard show business is, and that just because you're popular now doesn't mean that you're going to be popular in five years. Right. Uh, and she goes, I thought I had the lock on old. The <laughs> lock. And then guess who? Back from the tomb. Betty White. <laughs> Dusts her off her old dumb tits and comes marching back. Yeah. And I was like, and then she just talks to Louie about like, you know, the friends you make on the way up are the ones that are going to give you a helping hand on the way down. And, you know, I'm playing the big room now, but in five years I could be playing the small room. Yeah. And like, you just got to run with it and you know be okay with it yeah this is this is the the life we've chosen how hard would it be just imagine you had like your own show on fox Mm -hmm. like johnny carson you were almost going to take johnny carson's job yeah um to have all that like pulled away from you yeah and then your husband commits suicide. Yeah. And then to have to go back to working these like basement comedy clubs that you that you were doing twenty years ago in one year. Like this was all nineteen eighty seven yeah. that this happened. Like her show got plugged and her husband committed suicide, and yes, yeah, she had no cash. It must be so, like I just I'm picturing you know think of uh, think of some big big band, or I don't know. Let's just say like Tommy Dorsey. <laughs> sure. And then, like, you know, something happening, your label dropping you, and then you can't get an agent, or blah, 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 and then finally you're just, like, back to performing, like, shitty, tiny yeah. venues again, because it's like, this is all you know. Like, that's hard. Yeah. You know, you, know, you, you think, like, celebrities, you know, they do the... You, you'd like to think they do the smart thing, is like, when they get popular, they save their money, and they can just kind of, like, rest on those savings the rest of their life. Uh-huh. Uh, but as we saw... Not too long ago with uh, Aaron Moran, Joni from Happy Days. Oh. She died at 56. And it was like, she hit bottom and just stayed there. It's like she was in Happy Days and then she was in Joni Loves Chachi. And, you know, you'd like to think that royalties from that or something, you know, she could live somewhat comfortably. I imagine she... those dried up a while ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That uh, sucks. Yeah, it's always sad when you hear those rough times don't go away or things don't get better for people like that. Thankfully, Joan and Melissa (laughs) dealt with their problems by making this movie. Yeah. And I think it's in Piece of Work where they talk about how it seems so sick to, like, star in a movie about you in, like, the worst time of your life. But she said that it was oddly therapeutic and that her and Melissa weren't on good terms for a long time until kind of after they made that movie. 
Yeah, it's funny. I caught myself thinking thinking that, being like, what a, like, how, what kind of audacity is that to be like, I know, we'll make a movie about my life and the struggles I went through and how I <laughs> yeah. overcame them and I'll be the actress for it, you know? And it's it just... But I can see that being a constructive way to deal with your, with your feelings and your problems, too, you know? Um, she's just lucky enough to have, you know, a production company behind her. Well, I wonder if it was really her doing or she was approached about making it. Oh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, that's always, like, the way that I got it. Is like, I don't think she had, like, a hand in the writing process or, you know, pushing it to get made. I think someone, like, wanted to make it and they just thought they would have the real deal star in it as opposed to getting actors to play it out. Yeah. At least that's the impression I got, but I might be wrong. Um, I don't want to... Uh be too harsh on this movie. Yeah. <laughs> but um, I think it's a pretty good uh, example that um, the, meth- the method acting, the method, yeah. is, is bunk. The, the method, method of acting. The method, method of acting. Uh, because they lived through these situations. Yeah. And I, oh. I don't know <laughs> if they were really tapping into those actual <laughs> moments. <laughs> Joan, I think, can pull out dramatic moments. Like, I like, especially like I mentioned it before, like her monologue at the end, I actually felt like she delivered that pretty well. Uh Melissa, no. Like, I can't shake my head at that enough. (laughs) Uh, She just, nothing's What is it, though? I can't even put my finger on it, because, like, if I'm being generous, it's because... She's in the shadow, uh, she's in the shadow of Joan, and it's always being compared to her, and, like, that's just too too much of a mountain to be compared to, right? Yeah. Um but but then again, I mean it's like you you got your moments. Like make make the most of them and she just like there's nothing going on there. Yeah, it's it's because Joan's such a firecracker. Like she comes out guns blazing and Melissa really does not. Yeah. Like even when and like once again, not to victim blame. <laughs> But she just looks like she's perfectly happy being taken advantage of a lot of times. Mm-hmm. Like, she would rather complain about the problem than do something about the problem. And I guess with Joan Rivers, it's the opposite. Like, she would rather do something Much about it. Much more proactive, it. yeah. And she'd rather make a joke about it once the problem was, you know, in the rearview mirror. Yeah. Well, even just making a joke about it is doing something. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh... This had so many, like, this was so painfully made for television. It is. <laughs> the fades to red. Like, what is that? I don't know, because they use it pretty indiscriminately. Like, it's not like they fade to red when the situation gets bad. Like, they fade to red when the situation is bad. They fade to red when the situation's good. They fade to red when the situation's neutral. Like, <laughs> that's just how they get, they transition to the monologues. For yeah. Some reason. And it, it, I don't know, it's so bright. Like, there's a reason why we don't fade to red. Yeah. In normal Hollywood filmmaking. And I was thinking, for the most part, the, the, you know, because it's made for TV, maybe like in the 90s, the color palette is really muted. Um, it's yeah. pretty, you know, pretty beigey, basically. Yeah, black, but, beige. But then all of a sudden you'll get these, like, red. Which <laughs> <laughs> I thought was kind of. Yeah, it just seems out strange of place. Strange choice, but... Like, it's, it would be a strange tr- choice artistically, but it's not like the movie was really vibrant in colors. Right. Other places. Right. So it really just drew attention to how strange it is. Yeah. Um, I liked 
near the end, I don't know if you noticed this, but like it started to get a little meta. In the, in the way that, like... Did they start talking about making a movie about this part in their life? No, but I mean, uh, let's see. There's, like, a... I think it was when they were fighting... Yeah, it was when they were fighting in the therapist's office. And Melissa says, like, you're always casting yourself as this <laughs> as this ca- this one character. And it's like, oh, she did get cast as herself. That's funny. <laughs> and then also, like, when she's in the play on, oh, on Broadway... Yeah, the Neil Simon. Her, her line just before she exits is... The mu- the movie isn't over yet, <laughs> and then she leaves. I was like, "Yeah, it's not. We're st- we still got another fifteen twenty minutes." <laughs> I don't know if those were intentional, but uh... yeah, I can see that. Also, her, her Melissa's therapist. <laughs> How they what were they that that whole role and the therapist? <laughs> off- There's a bar in that therapist's office. Did you notice that? I didn't know. I do remember like the one time they try and have like a group therapy session. Like, it's, it's a fairly long scene, because they're yeah. yelling at each other quite a bit. The therapist does not have a line. I know! <laughs> He's terrible. He's and I, I remember there's just, there's like a scene where after Melissa storms out in a huff, and there's a scene where it's like, Joan's in the fore, he's in the background, and she says something like, well, just great. And he just like turns. <laughs> like, he doesn't say a word. Non-speaking extra role, I guess. For... Uh, when he, and when they come, I don't know if you noticed this, but in that same scene at the beginning when he's leading them to the couch... He, like, rubs Melissa's back a little bit as she's going. <laughs> that was a wild... I mean, that was, like, his apartment, right? Was, oh, mate, yeah. It was he had, huge. like, some sort of townhouse or something, yeah. Yeah, yeah it was... <laughs> I don't think he was very good at his job, either. Like, he didn't try once to stop the fighting. There was no intervening. Like, that group therapy session had, like, no mediator. He's just sort of like, okay, well, let's just see how this plays out. <laughs> I won't say anything, <laughs> but I will look concerned. If they have questions, I'll be here. Yeah. I don't even know how they cast for him. <laughs> what do you mean? Non-speaking extra. They're probably like waiting under a tent in the back lots. You, you, you got your papers in order? Get to make up. You're going to be the therapist. You got your SAG card? Good. You're hired. <laughs> Oh. I only have two notes. Oh, yeah, let's hear them. Uh, one is from the very beginning when Joan is in the hospital. Uh-huh. Uh, and Melissa's there, and it's before anything bad had happened. And Melissa's like, I gotta go. And she's like, what, you're leaving me? My time I'm in need? And she's like, this is elective surgery. And she goes, what, liposuction hurts too? <laughs> uh, and then my next note is, Melissa is the worst. <laughs> Which is a note I must have taken within the first five minutes of oh, the movie. Oh, probably, yeah. <laughs> Let's see. So when she's when she's getting when Joan is getting like dumped from her agent, yeah. Basically, uh, did you notice the artwork in his office? Mm, I feel like I did at the time, but I don't remember it now. He's got so he's got two pieces of artwork behind him that were really distracting for me. There was one that's like a painting, but it's done. It's like a black canvas, and it's done with like brighter sort of almost neon colors of a male torso that does ring a bell (laughs) he also has like a weird like bust but the eyes are cut out and there's almost like it looks like googly eyes kind of in there (laughs) huh they're just looking off we don't get to see the pupils of them i don't know it was really bizarre it was the 80s it was a different time yeah the guys all that everyone's trying to be (laughs) kastabi 
I did I did like a lot of the ties the men, that the men were wearing in this movie that was also distracting in a in a bad way but they were they were interesting interesting choices on the ties was there one decent male character in here like even the guy that like the uh, realtor that like Joan kind of gets with for a while right. like at the end he's sort of like put off by her independent yeah. spirit I'm not your husband Joan <laughs> God sorry. <laughs> But yeah, it's it's we got the guy who committed suicide, yeah. you know, the husband. Yeah. Uh, Which, since we don't know anything about him, it feels really just like selfish. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, we don't know it, a thing about him. <laughs> they do allude that he had a mental breakdown, but yeah, we don't like see his face or anything. Like yeah. he's not, he doesn't actually have a part. Yeah. And even though he's talking to Melissa at the beginning, do we even hear his voice, or do we just hear her? No, like we just hear her phone. side of the conversation. Yeah. yeah, it's it's hard. It's harder to care for their struggle when we don't know what they're missing. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like, just give us five ten minutes of what he's like, of him being jovial and funny. That way, where it's like it's a loss for us too, because it's not a loss for us. Yeah, we just have to believe that it's a loss for them. Yeah. I mean, I can't emphasize this enough. This was a made-for-TV movie. <laughs> That's why I'm being... I'm not being too not, harsh. <laughs> not, they're not known for their, you know, really... This wasn't Fanny and Alexander. <laughs> this isn't the... Uh, this isn't HBO produced. This, yeah, this isn't Angels in America. <laughs> so, so I guess... Here's another question I have for you. Um, so Melissa has, like... At the end of this movie, there's a scene where she's, she gets beat up pretty bad. Yeah. I mean, and it goes on for long enough that it's uncomfortable. I gotta give props to the stunt woman. Yeah. Or it could be a dude. Yeah, exactly. That's how it works there. But it's like, agreeing, if this actually happened in her life, like, agreeing to do this scene would be really hard, don't you think? Hmm. I've been beat up before. (laughs) But I I mean, like, she probably has some lasting trauma from it, but like... Agreeing is agreeing to do this scene in this movie like some sort of therapy for her. It's making this movie therapeutic. I mean, you said that it was therapeutic for their relationship, but is also acting, reenacting an, an abusive relationship scene. Do you think that's therapeutic for her? Maybe it's like uh, what was that documentary, The Act of Killing? I'd be curious to to see what she what she felt about doing. I like that. to think that's the goal of the filmmakers in this situation. <laughs> this is sort of a, a you know docudrama act of killing situation <laughs> what are you feeling now Melissa <laughs> she just starts retching <laughs> yeah uh, there's a, it, it's it's hard to defend Melissa Rivers it is because but but oh go ahead I was just gonna say it'd be one thing if she was a firebrand like her mom mm-hmm. but she doesn't have that going for her and that's to Joan's credit in a way where it's like she that she failed to teach her daughter to be funny. <laughs> no, that she stands by her even though she sucks. <laughs> That's yeah. a good mom being yeah. like, you know, I still love you even though you're a horrible disappointment. <laughs> I also feel totally fine ragging on both of them because neither of them will give a fuck. Yeah. Like they have been dragged through the mud so much, they do not care what two homos think about them. <laughs> Maybe we'll get a tweet out of this. <laughs> I was thinking this too. They got a lot of value on Melissa's bedroom set <laughs> because, man, I feel man, like a you lot were of the really movie... <laughs> into the set direction here. <laughs> I feel like a lot of the movie took place in her bedroom. 
Uh, yeah, I, I do definitely remember at one point, because she moves into that house. How many people live in that house, by the way? <laughs> well, at first, I'm like, is she moving into a frat? <laughs> like, that's what it looked like, because she's introduced to, like, all male, male characters at first, like, when she gets there. Like, I don't yeah. remember seeing any other girls in the house. Yeah. But then the rest of the movie, and, and like, the rest of the movie takes place, like, over a couple of years, I feel. Yeah. If not, at least a year. Well, no, because it says she was moving in to that house at the beginning of her senior year. Okay. But she's a 19-year-old, somehow. And, uh, it ends at graduation, so that's over a year. Okay. Yeah. Um, but yeah, any other scene in that house, like, where she's living is done exclusively in her room. Right. So it wasn't until the end fight scene when, like, some of the roommates, like, came to see what all the ruckus was about. I'm like, oh, that's right. She lives in a big house. I'm like, which, if, I don't know, if I was a teenage girl, I would not want to live in a big ruckus house with a bunch of boys. Yeah. That would not be my first choice. She wants to be treated like a normal student. Oh, wait, there's a good guy, the um, her roommate. Yeah, maybe. Like, he does ostensibly dial 911. <laughs> I, I, I guess, you know, the bar for human decency is, is pretty low in the movie, but... He's the guy that she should have gone with. I think he was cuter, if I remember correctly. Definitely so. cuter, definitely cuter. So where do you rank this in your made-for-TV movie pantheon? <laughs> well... A deep bench, I'm sure. Yeah, it's a little... Uh, it's better than Tommyknockers, I'll say that. <laughs> um, Chloe endorsement, I'm going to put that on the back of the DVD. <laughs> back of the Blu-ray, I'm sorry. <laughs> Can you see someone at the... at the Like, looking between Tommyknockers and this, and they're like, I don't know... <laughs> They flip it over and it's like better than oh. Tommy Knockers. Okay, yeah. well, it says it right there. <laughs> then what? What am I doing with this? I don't need that. <laughs> God, that'd be a great sales tactic. You could find out when your like title was coming out and like the other titles that were going to be coming out right next to it, <laughs> and just have a review on the back that says better than you know before <laughs> and behind me. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure this airs on Lifetime periodically. Yeah, maybe not so much anymore. Why not? It's 24 years old. Yeah. Yeah. They do, and I guess now they're like uh, doing their own movies and things like that. I was going to say, it's going to interrupt their designing women marathons. (laughs) They're producing their own made for TV movies based on, you know, like probably based on the success of all the ones they've been airing from the past, being like, okay, we need um, a teenage daughter with an eating disorder. We need a mother with bipolar disorder. Yeah, we need an abusive boyfriend who's probably gay. That's all of them. <laughs> and uh, what do you think drives to... them to have these personality disorders <laughs> and eating disorders? Yeah. Um, you got something for us next week? Yeah. 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 yeah something good. Uh huh. Well, I think fun? we watched um, you know a movie with some mommy issues this week, um, or maybe not mommy issues, but. Mommy related things. They did say mommy and daddy the whole time. Yeah. Which was really uncomfortable. You're forgetting about daddy. <laughs> that was gross. Um, 
Well, I guess you could make an argument that this movie has daddy issues. But anyway, I want to uh, I want to pick a movie that definitely has some daddy issues. Ooh, sexy. And uh, I want to watch The American Astronaut. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. I feel like that's a nice follow-up to this. All right. Uh, I figured that was uh, in the canon someplace. It's Yeah, I figured now is the time. Uh, it's going to be coming up on uh, summer movie weather. And the um, first time I saw this was at a drive-in. So, oh, really? Yeah. I still never been to a drive-in. It was fun. Can we go to a drive-in and record the podcast live at a drive-in? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Road trip. Yeah. Neither of us have a car. <laughs> Hitchhiking. Ooh, I like it. <laughs> yes, grass or ass. <laughs> no one rides for free. <laughs> hey, do you hear that? Is that the sound of a... Bargain? I don't know. It's our junk plug-in music. Oh. Our Twitter handle is at X-Rated Movies. Uh, find us on Facebook at Rated X Movies. You can also send us emails at x.rated.movies at gmail.com. Our responses always come with a cute kitten pic. Uh, and uh, like, subscribe, rate, review on iTunes. Just X-Rated Movies. Yeah, tell your friends and... Uh, Get them listening too. Subscribe on their phones surreptitiously. And uh, AOL keyword X-rated movies. <laughs> I'm glad you're still using that. It's making a difference. Uh, Fun fact: 95% of AOL searches are X-rated movies. Really? <laughs> That's not you searching for them, is it? Yeah, I searched 95 times. Wow, okay. I wonder who those other five are. Gotta get those uh, <laughs> bumps up there. Yeah. Um, okay. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next week with The American Astronaut. I'm excited. Me too!